Welcome inside 254. Let's close the office door and start the conversation. Today's talk around the table is about Michael Wolff's new book, Fire and Fury. I know you are reading this book. I am reading this so book. So please kind of bring us all into the, the fullness of this story. Okay. So I'm not done with the book. I'll just preface it. It literally saying. came out like two days ago. Yeah. So it just, you're not a slacker. Yeah. You're and amazing the, the, that you uh, read it as well, much as you have. Well, the, the publisher, I think it was Hatchet Publishing, was going to put this book out, I think, like next month or next week. So it's, it, was, it was supposed to be a while from now, I think at the end of January. And... As soon as the previews started coming out, like excerpts of the book, starting, you know, when somebody is promoting a book, you have excerpts that come out and people have advanced copies and they review it. And all of a sudden there started to be reviews and, and media coverage of the book hadn't even been published yet. And in response to those reviews, Donald Trump mm -hmm. had his lawyers um, issue a cease and desist order to both Michael Wolf and the publishing house saying you're not allowed to publish this book which like, like this to me well Hashan I think is okay. a French one so they don't give a shit well, here's the <laughs> they're thing. gonna be here's, like yeah go ahead well but here's the thing when you are a private citizen who own a business you have the right to tell people basically not to write bad things about you you're private so private citizens have the right not to be ripped a new one in public so that would be liable and slander laws right but and also it requires but that requires intention uh, malicious intention and untruth mm -hmm. so falsehood right with exactly malicious intent. exactly if you're telling the truth right of a private citizen you st that's a high bar to clear because mm -hmm. if you're telling the truth well that right sucks, you did that right you did don't it. do that <laughs> but here's the thing and this goes, I mean, I was a journalist for 10 years. This goes back to my schooling in journalism when I was an undergrad years, you know, many, many, many years mm -hmm. ago, is the whole idea behind um, a public figure or a public official, which he is now a public official, all bets are off. You can pretty much say anything you want about a public figure or a public official and the bar to as clear long as libel, it's truth, as long as okay. it's truth, right. that bar to clear libel and slander for public officials and public figures is almost too high to clear. I mean, it yeah. is, you okay. really have to have malicious intent with false statements. Okay. And you know that when people say things and how it's said, and it, it's real squishy. Well, it gets even squishier if you're an elected official. You, you know, that's why elected officials have to be careful how they say things. So what did our elected so, official decide to say? publicly right. on his twitter feed which nobody which so, i think he shouldn't be allowed to block anybody from because no. he's an elected official but go ahead so unless they're like threatening the first life, problem is that he sent the cease and desist letter which i love the publisher thank you publisher for doing this they got that letter and basically gave him the finger and said fuck you and they brought it out in a few days they which brought i heard it out. it's riddled with typos because it is, of is it is it, it so is. bad I, my friends who are english professors they're I, like oh my god but still it's I, fine it's it the it's immediacy fine. and urgency it's, it's totally cool we'll accept a few yeah. typos they were basically like fuck you and they yeah. brought the book out yeah. immediately yeah. with some copy editing typos fine. i don't care no 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 don't care <laughs> this is one of the he's and he's been he's been tweeting about this now for days but here's one of the things that he wrote um, on his Twitter, this is him tweeting. Michael Wolf, who's the author of the book, is a total loser who made up stories in order to sell this really boring and untruthful book. He used sloppy Steve Bannon, who cried when he got fired and begged for his job. 
Now Sloppy Steve has been dumped like a dog by almost everyone. Too bad. Now, remember, this is supposedly the president of the United States. So not only is he saying something like this, he's tweeting. I mean, it's just so many levels of, of terrible. And the toxic masculinity there, right? Like, oh, he cried. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't feel bad for Steve Bannon, but no. there's some weird but masculinity you, stuff going on there. Let too. me tell you something. Here's the thing. I've started reading this book. The way Michael Wolf puts the book together, and I know a lot of people who are pro-Trump are making a lot of assumptions about how, well, it's just petty, and he obviously just hates him. This guy, and he even says in his, in his opening, like mm-hmm. the preface, how he gathered this information. Some of the information was gathered through direct, on-the-record interviews. Some of it was gathered in off-the-record interviews that, as he explains it, sort of circumstantially then became on the record. And he gave sort of a vague example of this. He's like, there were conversations he had that were off the record that months later, the people he had talked to suddenly made it public. Mm. So just by default, now they're on the record. Mm. So like he was held like saying okay you you know it's private but then they made it public so that changed mm-hmm, the dynamic mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, that information mm-hmm. and then the other interesting thing that he lays out is the fact that Trump's campaign when he was a candidate for president and then his administration was and has been so incredibly disorganized and lacking structure and procedures and there are no rules in place that he made it he said he made it clear up front that he wanted insider access to the campaign to the mm-hmm. white house mm-hmm. he made it clear to everyone to all the staff to the people working on these things and because and they never really gave him a yes or a no because there was no structure in place to make it happen or not if that makes sense like yeah, so it's almost like he was the the kid in the room that nobody noticed because the fire house was burning down and they were all dealing with that. And mm-hmm. so the kid just got to like watch everything from underfoot. Okay. Yeah, he was, at, he actually attended a lot of the meetings where he gives uh, almost like a scene. He'll, he'll, he'll write the scene as it was like a scene in Trump tower with, you know, the players at the table and what they said and, and how I said it and the dynamic around that conversation some of these conversations he was privy to. Some of them he was able to rebuild based mm-hmm. on the conversations and the relating of those meetings by the people who were in the room. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that he was... And here's the other thing. I think a lot of people assume that because it's... Oh, it's, it's anti-Trump. It's... Steve Bannon comes across as the smart, mature one. I know. God. And here's the thing. It's not that... Michael Wolf doesn't, at least at this point in the book, and I'm only like two chapters in, but he doesn't do any editorializing. Mm-hmm. So you know how in a book like this, it would be really easy to just be like ripping off one-liners and zingers and how done. He doesn't, he's not the one saying he's in, he's not, he's not. So Michael it's Wolf not is a not memoir. One, it's a no. reportage, right? He's it's not, not like right. Katie Tour's book that no. I'm listening to. Like there is. It's a memoir, right? So it has her own feelings mm-hmm. in it. This is just like, he's. this is almost like I'm reporting what I'm seeing in front of me. Yeah. Different. So he was okay. kind of, he sort of 
became the proverbial fly on the wall yeah. because of this lack of structure. And I do believe this was prior to John Kelly taking the chief of staff off. <laughs> because I think John Kelly was, because he's much more structured. I think yeah. he was able to win. He would have, that, that was one thing right. that he did r- round into shape. Okay, He did. So I do believe that most of this sort of reporting and witnessing and observation did happen before John Kelly came onto the scene. I think that's probably when it, when it ended. I'm just supposing. But yeah, because you haven't gotten to the end of the book. It'll be interesting. Right. But Michael Wolff doesn't need to editorialize. He just lets people speak. And the thing is, the what people are saying, and here's the interesting thing to me, in all of the coverage that I've seen in the media about this book and all of Trump's whining about it and, and all this stuff, not one person has denied saying what they said oh, in the book. Oh, that's such an interesting not observation. Not one person has denied the statements that they are attributed to have really? said. What they're saying is, well, he it took it out of out context. context. Yeah, or, I knew that was coming. that's not what I meant. Or I said that, but I was talking about this person over here. But the way Wolf sets the scene and sets the stage and sets the conversation and allows the people to say, it is completely believable because is it, it is devoid of emotional backbiting. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. It's devoid of it. What if only what if what if only half were of it were actually true and said in, it would in be that, horrible. Okay, every so like, page, right? If every half page. of it, even half of it, were true, yeah. it would be still be awful, awful. Okay, so, I mean, like every page, and this is the, the funny. Thing. I mean, you I know, know you I, keep she keeps so she was reading it and she kept sending me screenshots of it. I'm like, I'm gonna have the whole book by the end of this text message conversation. I had to stop because I'm like, I'm gonna end up. She's gonna send her. yeah. The entire book. Yeah. And it's every page. There is a scene or a moment or a conversation. It absolutely has the ring of truth. And I'm not saying that just because I hate Trump. Everybody knows I can't stand him. I Nope, that's not a secret. But what I'm telling you, Steve Bannon comes across as nutty. Yes, nuts. But also more rational. Well, okay. And calm. So- and mature and more on point about what has to happen and what needs to I mean it, so dear listeners right like so I put that survey up yeah. on our Facebook page That's and right. on our Twitter page yeah, and me. I and I did that after this Michael Wolf you know because it put us all in a really interesting position of who are you going to believe mm-hmm. and so I put up a poll and I can put it up again if people want because we try to do these fun things on our social media and do you know that uh, it was up to I think fifty votes oh, yesterday? Wow, that's a lot. Oh yeah, we had a ton of engagement. That's great. Zero people said they believe Trump. Like zero, wow. not one. Per- and yeah. and the conversation was really interesting. And they're just like, listen, I don't like anything Steve Bannon says. However, mm-hmm. I if I were forced, and that was the question, was if the- you are forced to pick one mm-hmm. to believe, which one do you believe? Not one, and I know that, like, this is like, but, but, like, a lot of people had to press a button and say, I believe Steve Bannon. And I wanted to force that issue yeah. because I know they're so both so distasteful, mm-hmm. but credibility wise, right? And this book ethos does nothing, wise, yeah. this book does nothing what? but support yes. that exact perspective that Steve Bannon is actually the more credible. Of the two. And the book so far. Sounds like the, the book is reifying abs- that. And and Wolf never says that. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Because it is in what Bannon says and how he says it and the 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 looks he gives. And th- I mean, it's 
it's really it's masterfully mm-hmm. crafted it's super fast read mm-hmm. super easy to read and it's completely accessible and it is not i mean i would call it like the, just a barnstorming astounding presentation of this dis like puts the d in dysfunctional administration but not all of the people come off looking terrible so you can sort of appreciate an ideologue for what they are Mm -hmm. you don't have Mm -hmm. to agree with Mm -hmm. someone Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. whose ideas are so directly opposed to yours But there's a level of respect, I think, but I can that you still have find them credible. Absolutely, I'm to someone who of that. is not disconnected, disconnected from reality. Mm-hmm. And if anything that I'm getting from this book is, Bannon is very connected to reality. I don't agree with his politics. I don't agree where he wants the country to go. But he's actually not an idiot. Yeah, and he's not he's not presented as one because I don't think he is one. He's the bad guy to us because he's a far right and all that stuff. But he's not he's not stupid. Right. Trump, on the other hand, and this is coming from people on the inside. These are coming from this is coming from people inside his campaign, inside the White House, some of his own family members and the, quote, close people. I mean, Rex Tillerson, Steve Mnuchin. I mean, you're looking at people who. okay, example, Roger Ailes. There's a conversation that's relayed. In a scene, it was in. Uh, it was about a particular moment, um, and they were talking about the campaign toward the end of it. And it, it's the full scene plays out, and it's one that's kind of getting picked up in the media a lot. Roger Ailes hangs up the phone and says to the people in the room, "He's a fucking idiot." That is a direct My eyes quote. Just went up. That is a direct quote. He was talking about Donald Trump. And the thing is, the way the scene is set, like the conversation they were having, what they were talking about, and it was very clear that Trump doesn't get it. I mean. I'm that, speechless. I be- I'm so grateful I totally that you're believe. reading this. Uh-huh. I believe it. So, I mean, in a, in a personal, like, petty way, it's gratifying to read a, conf- a confirmation of everything that I've suspected all along. But it's also actually kind of sad. The structural unsettling it's nature really, of it. It's really, really sad for this country to be in a moment where we have someone who is so... I mean, he's not just unqualified. I mean, he's beyond unqualified. He's, he never expected to win. The people around him didn't expect to win. That's why they weren't prepared to go into the White House. They, they weren't, exp- I mean, up to the day, they weren't expecting it. And then he pivoted, and this is the way Mike Wolf lays it out, is he pivoted and decided, well, it was preordained, clearly, almost like Manifest Destiny. Clearly, I was meant to. And now he's like, you know, the big man on campus. I'm, and he actually has, he said, and Wolf cites him in here saying, um, I'll be the most famous man in the world. He's more interested in, like we've suspected this, he's more interested in this for himself. It's not for the good of America. It's not for the good of Americans. It's not for the good yeah. of the country. It's not for the good of the world. It's for Donald Trump and Donald Trump's brand. And that that is the sense that I'm getting from this, is that's being set up. And it, I don't think the rest of the book is going to destroy that impression that I have of this story. Wow. Thank you for reading it. Yeah, well... I, I would recommend everybody go read it. It's really no, not... No, I'm going to let you read it for me. It's not what... You read it for us. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I mean, it's... I don't want to I don't want to waste my precious reading time fair with enough. that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's... It is... It's. I'm it's, really glad uh, you're reading it, though. It, I'm glad... I'm glad Michael Wolf wrote it. Thank I'm you, glad Michael it, Wolf. I'm glad the, the publishing house decided to bring it Thank out. Thank you, Ashet. Yeah. Ashet. So, yeah. This was... <laughs> Thank you. This was good, so... All right. Very good. Thank you, Amanda. All right. Like what you're hearing? 
Become a patron of our podcast and help us be sustainable. Click that little green Become a Patron button on our Podbean page and it'll get you started. But here's the cool news. There are three different patron levels that you can participate in to show your love and support of our hard work for you. A monthly commitment of just $1, which is less than the cost of a cup of coffee, gets you a large, cool, square sticker for your computer with our freshly designed logo, and you can share the love. For $5 a month, you get two stickers, a shout-out on Facebook and on the podcast, plus our newest patron level of $8 a month. You'll get all the love and swag of the $1 and $5 levels, but also early access to every episode and expert extra. So join our patron team at this $8 a month level and be in the know before everyone else. All of your donations are greeted with our deepest gratitude. Thanks for keeping us sustainable. Time for... Trumpster Fire! Colleen. Amanda. We need to talk about Trump's um, fake news awards. Have you heard about this? Okay, I... I want everybody to know that I saw like Stephen Colbert and Samantha Bee and Trevor Noah on their social media making up all these posters and ads. So I did not realize until Amanda informed me that their genesis was in something real. So please tell us what that is. And then I can talk about like what the satirical folk have Mm -hmm. been doing. But I did not know they were responding to anything. And I did not know that the satirical folks were doing anything because I don't pay as close attention to that until I, I, right? So I did not know. I watch all of them. I follow them on social media. I didn't know that they had been doing, which of course it makes sense. But yeah, this, I've been watching the genesis of this. in Tell us, read it to us, read it. So here is what Donald Trump tweeted one day ago, and we are recording this on January 8th. I have had to put up with fake news from the day first day I announced I would be running for president. Now I have to put up with a fake book, and that's in referring referral to the Michael Wolf Fire and Fury, mm-hmm. written by a totally discredited author. Ronald Reagan had the same problem and handled it well, so will I. Next tweet. Jake Tapper of Fake News CNN just got destroyed in his interview oh, with Stephen, Stephen Miller. Miller. Mm-hmm. Of See, the I got distracted. Oh, so this is why I miss the. I keep missing the first things mm-hmm. because I get distracted by the shiny squirrel mm-hmm. object that comes after it. So I went down the Stephen Miller rabbit hole, not knowing this. Okay, watch the hatred and unfairness of this CNN flunky. Next tweet: The fake news awards. Those going to the most corrupt and biased of the mainstream media will be presented to the losers on Wednesday, January 17th, rather than this coming Monday. The interest in and importance of these awards is far greater than anyone could have anticipated. That was his It was supposed tweet. to be today. It was supposed right. to be today. Mm-hmm. And now, as of, as of right now, that particular tweet has 126,000 likes. Mm-hmm. It's got 49,400 comments mm-hmm. and it's been retweeted 31,500 and that times. might be somebody like those retweets are not all in support because I no. often retreat yeah. which retweet him and like critically engage mm-hmm. with it or so not so the source material for the satirical stuff is a real this is something that Trump uh, said he wants to okay. create he's creating fake new fake news awards and he is he seems to be doing this like in his mind this is a legitimate thing that he wants to discredit all of these news organizations and i've actually seen some 
commentary, I think, or maybe some reporting about how if his if the people in his administration participate in this in any way. Yeah, I've read that. There's illegal. a there's this, a legal yeah. there's a yeah. potential legal problem. Some and I don't know the the exact articles or where it is, but it's like there's something about the impeding of a free press, and they're not allowed to do that. But and what's so, he gonna do? I don't know. Was well, he gonna like put it on Twitter? No, I don't know all this. He announced. <laughs> so let's. He announced can we it on can Twitter. we make this funny? Okay. Yeah. So like, uh, so. <laughs> all right. So all weekend I was seeing yeah. Trevor Noah, Samantha <laughs> B, like tweeting all this really funny stuff about the fakies, and I was like, what are they talking about? So I just thought they were because they talk, call themselves fake news, right? Like. Yeah. John Stewart used to always say, if you're relying on our show for the news, this is a problem. Like, this is fake. Like, they are yeah. actual fake news. Yeah. Like, not CNN. Yeah. So, um, you know, so they've made, like, professional posters that you would do to, to petition for an award show. Wow. And here's Colbert sitting in front of a, you know, 50s microphone as if he's very <laughs> serious. Dear Mr. <laughs> President, for your consideration for the most dishonest and corrupt media awards of the year... In all categories, it lists categories. It has like the Palm Door at the bottom. Oh they God, have, look at that. They have all made wow. categories and and memes and things that I just thought they was funny. Fun. I didn't realize that yeah. its root was in an actual weird waste. I no, am not source, paying Donald Trump to be the president to do shit like this. Well, but apparently he thinks you are. He thinks we all are. So this is the source material for these comedians is real. Yeah, I didn't know. So you, if you need a lighthearted take on what's going on, you could look at the hashtag, the fakies. That's what they're all using. And That's they're great. all making posters. They even, uh, they even, Samantha B. And so, sorry, let me start again. <laughs> I love the headlines. Yeah. Watch the Daily so News. So the, the Daily, the Daily Show, awards the ad. Daily Show has made a commercial that says, can Colbert and B really be mistrusted? <laughs> I love it. So they are really like taking this on yeah. and, and drawing attention to shining light on how ridiculous this is. Oh, and yeah. they are s making spectacle of the ridiculousness. As so there should. is something funny. Maybe. So by the time this airs, uh. who knows if the fakies will have happened. But I'm appreciating yeah. our satirists making hay of it in yeah. the meantime. Yeah, because it is ridiculous and it is a waste of taxpayer money and time. And, and it's it's very, I mean, again, we keep saying this about him. He's the most unpresidential president I think we've ever had in the history of our country. And he keeps proving it again and again and yeah. again. And this is just one more, you know, piece of evidence, you know, check this off. So I'm, I like you, I have no idea what, what the fakies are what, but, but i have I a feeling it. they're they're gonna end up like having something it's gonna be awesome you know I, yeah that, 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 the like comedians. colbert will, like have them on oh it's God. gonna be a great yeah. but now i have some more context yeah this was posted an hour ago yeah. so this so was now, honestly now you know. an hour ago so now, so now, now you I understand. and our listeners know the source material for this funny stuff is real i didn't know it's real Donald so Trump is everything, actually everything is a Samuel this. Beckett play. It's all tragic comedy. We're living in a Samuel Beckett play. Bring the wine <sighs> or the cheese or the cheese or both. both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We dedicate ourselves to collective resistance. Resistance to the billionaire mortgage profiteers and gentrifiers. Resistance to the healthcare privateers. As I have said, and as I believe, 
the advancement of the full participation of women and girls in every aspect of their societies is the great unfinished business of the 21st century. And not just for women, but for everyone. And not just in far away countries, but right here in the United States. Thank you for understanding that sometimes we must put our bodies where our beliefs are. Sometimes pressing send is not enough. <laughs> if, if we want to give all of our children a foundation for their dreams and opportunities worthy of their promise, if, if we want to give them that sense of limitless possibility, that belief that here in America, there is always something better out there if you're willing to work for it, then we must work like never before. This episode's fierce woman warrior is... Anita Sarkeesian. Anita is an award-winning media critic and the creator and executive director of Feminist Frequency, an educational, not-for-profit that explores representations in pop culture narratives. I chose Anita because, if you remember a few years ago Gamergate, this was one of the first instances where we saw a woman being trolled online. And what Anita did is went public about what was going on and really started to teach everybody about how to, one, identify trolls, and two, how to deal with them. And she endured so much misogyny and hate for daring to talk about sexism and misogyny in video games. And so that's why it's called Gamergate, because that was the original instance that brought about all this hate. Anita is our fierce woman warrior because she really did pave the way for conversations about online trolling and taught us what to do when it happens. She's like the foremother of, uh, of what to do. If you know a fierce woman warrior who is taking action in her community in some way, Please send her name and information to us at inside254podcast at gmail.com or send us a private message through our Facebook page and we will do the necessary research, reach out to this person, but this is not an interview segment. As you see, this is about amplifying women's advocacy and work in communities. So nominate a Fierce Woman Warrior today. Let's take a time out for a Media Minute. Netflix's series, Alias Grace, is an adaptation of a 1996 Margaret Atwood novel. So Margaret Atwood is really definitely in the ethos right now with Handmaid's Tale and now Alias Grace. And they're interesting to consider together in the fact that they both focus on a female protagonist who is oppressed in some way, whether alias Grace in a prison, Handmaid's Tale oppressed by the society. So I would like to recommend Alias Grace as a narrative to consider with Handmaid's Tale. You can watch Alias Grace on your own. What I think is so fascinating about the miniseries, it, so it's about a woman who is imprisoned because she has committed murder. And it traces back to her committing that murder, whether or not she did, through her conversations with a brand new psychotherapist. Psychotherapy is new in that time period. 
I found the fetishization of her as an, an actor of violence to be the most interesting element of it. So it's 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 really cool and it's really interesting and, it, and it'll move you through. But if you watch how, and I don't want to give too much away, but how the different men that she interacts with and women make her into a fetish object. So she loses her humanity, even though she's deeply trying to have it throughout the miniseries. It's worth watching just for that. But it's also entertaining and smart. And it's only six episodes, which I love and comes to completion. So yeah, check out check out Alias Grace. Spend a few hours digging deep into another Margaret Atwood consideration of women's oppression. It's definitely worth it. Let's end today's podcast with some activist actions. Read nonfiction books. I know, I know. Many of you may be seizing at the thought. Maybe you had a negative experience in high school or college where you were required to read books you didn't like, or maybe you stopped reading books when you were a little kid, or maybe you're scoffing and saying, I don't have time to read a book. Hey, I hear you. I do. My own reading habits have changed quite a bit the busier my professional life becomes. Perhaps you read a lot of news articles online and maybe you're a poetry buff or maybe you try to read novels, but it takes you months to get through 200 pages because you're reading before bed and it seems you're always too tired and you end up just going to sleep after a few pages. Don't get me wrong. Novels and short fiction are wonderful, but my activist action for you today is to read nonfiction books. Here's why. First, think of a subject or issue that you want to know more about. Might be current events or political, scientific, social, on and on and on. You know your interests. A nonfiction book on that subject will go deeper than any article can and will delve into the nuances of an issue so that you will learn more as you slowly work your way through the book. You will deepen your knowledge and understanding of any subject by reading a book on that subject. Think of all the different categories of nonfiction books. There may be one that you're drawn to more than others, like biographies, autobiographies, philosophy, theory, research, history, how-to, self-help, commentary, analysis, opinion. And the best part of this advice, you can listen to read. I listen to a lot of nonfiction books driving to and from work. So if you just can't bring yourself to sit down with a paper book or an electronic reader, download an audiobook app. Get yourself a nonfiction book and start listening on your commute or waiting in the doctor's office or grocery shopping. You'll increase your knowledge and wisdom about some aspect of how the world works and feel smarter as a result. And who doesn't like feeling smarter? Start reading a nonfiction book this week and you're on your way. Thanks for spending time with us inside 254. You can find us a lot of places online. On Facebook, we're at Inside 254 Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Inside 254 Pod. On Instagram, we are at Inside 254. And on WordPress, where we post links and places that you can go to donate or learn more about our activist actions, we're at Inside254Site, S-I-T-E dot WordPress dot com. You can find our free episodes on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, and you can also just Google us. There are two things you can do to help us build audience today. You can go onto Facebook, click one of those stars, and leave a comment as feedback, and then you can go to your listening platform and rate us on there as well. By doing those two things, that's going to get our word out and help us build our audience. Thank you for helping us grow.